Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we'll be discussing using yoga and energy work to help us access our body's innate healing abilities. And I have the perfect person to talk about this with. My guest today is Lauren Walker, author of the book we'll be discussing today, The Energy to Heal, Find Lasting Freedom from Stress and Trauma Through Energy Medicine Yoga, which just won the Silver Nautilus Award for Best Mind-Body Book for 2022. Lauren previously published two prior books about energy medicine yoga, the first called Energy Medicine Yoga, the second, The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription, and both of those books also won the Nautilus Silver Award for the Best Mind-Body Publication. Lauren has been teaching yoga and meditation since 1997, and she created Energy Medicine Yoga while teaching at Norwich University. She teaches EM Yoga, which stands for Energy Medicine Yoga, across the U.S. and internationally, and has been featured many times in Yoga Journal, Yoga, Yoga Digest, and uh, published a feature article about her yoga work in the New York Times. In 2016, Lauren was named one of the top 100 most influential yoga teachers in America. Her website is energymedicineyoga.net. You can also follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Energy Medicine Yoga. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Lauren Walker. I'm really delighted you could join me today on the podcast. Thank you so much, Laurel. It's beautiful to be here with you again. So before we begin our dialogue about yoga and energy to heal stress and trauma, let's begin with a moment of being right here right now a yoga moment so let's begin right where we are whatever we're doing and bring our attention to our body in space just feeling our body again whether we're sitting or standing walking driving just feeling our body in space And now, in particular, feeling the surfaces that support our weight. Where are our feet? What part of our weight is supported in a chair if we're sitting? And now turning our attention to the breath and just noticing. Make the next breath a fully conscious one. Notice as you inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling how that air is now warm. And just staying with the breath, keeping your attention on the breath. Here's something to contemplate from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Physical actions, creative use of our imagination, and setting intentions are the manifesting tools of the physical, mental, and subtle aspects of our being. 
Physical actions, creative use of our imagination, and setting intentions are the manifesting tools of the physical, mental, and subtle aspects of our being. One who focuses solely on the physical plane works harder without the benefit of the power tools of the subtle realms and understanding the laws of cause and effect. When we, first, when we work first in consciousness, our awareness shifts from outer effort to inner cause. Then there is no struggle to accomplish. Oh. Once again, Lauren Walker, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm really excited to have you on the show because you are someone who is working both in yoga and with energy, which is a very unique combination. And as Many listeners know I am a Western-trained medical doctor, but also someone who's very interested in healing in general, and have always been interested in the Eastern view of health, in that it involves our vital force, our, our life energy. In traditional Chinese medicine, this vital force is referred to as qi, which runs through the body in meridians, while in yoga and Ayurveda, it's called prana, and runs through the body in nadis. All three of these healing systems have been in use for hundreds or thousands of years. In the introduction to your book, you say, you write, you have an endless ability to heal from any experience you've gone through with an equally endless amount of power that lives within you at this very moment. That power is energy. You just need to learn how to use it, which I think is so, so empowering. Your book is very, very empowering. You then go on to give several examples of how we already know how to work with energy. And you mention rubbing our toe after we stub it, holding pressure on our temples when we have a headache, or taking several slow, deep breaths before answering a difficult question. Although the ancient healing systems I mentioned above all view our energy, our vital force, as not only a given, but also essential for our health, Western medicine is very skeptical about it since it can't be measured scientifically, at least not yet. There isn't an MRI or a CT scan that will record our energy, although I hope at some point, and I think that there probably will be at some point, it's not here yet. So how do you explain the value of energy work when a client is skeptical? Well, that's a great question. And actually, you can measure energy. You can put little nodes. You're a, a, a doctor, so you've probably seen this in hospitals. You can measure the electrical information or the electrical pulses of the heart and of the brain. The heart is the large, largest electrical generator in the body, and it puts out electrical signals. And we can measure those and how strong they are or weak they are tells you the health of your heart and the same with the brain. So we do have ways already of, of testing the energy of the body. We just don't think about it in terms of energy medicine because we've been so steeped in this mechanistic model of how the body works. But the truth is the more that we learn in the Western sciences about how the body works, the more they need to lean back into these ancient Eastern ideas because the truth is we understand now that energy is the primary substance 
and the everything else, the physical matter is the result of energy interactions, spin, force, all of that stuff. But we would need to get into physics to really talk through. But so energy is really all there is. And when I first heard that from my teacher, Donna Eden, who's the founder of Eden Energy Medicine and who I've studied with for years and really shifted my whole understanding of energy and the physical body within that energy field, energy is all there is. So once yeah. you learn that language, and that's the leap that's the most difficult for most people to make because they see the physical body. I'm like, you know, you hold your hand, like that feels pretty solid to me, you know, and uh, I've talked to Nassim Haramon and he talks about you're never actually touching anything. It's actually there's there's the forces of atomic pressure pushing your hand away from the other hand, and that's what you're touching. And so those kind of concepts are really hard for us to grok because it just feels really solid. But when you can get that place of understanding that you are vibrating bits of sound and light, then it makes more sense that you can heal yourself when you start to dance with, um, and that's not really, that's more of a woo-woo, when you start to really co-create with these energies, because they're not really that difficult to work with at all. Anyone who's had acupuncture knows that these energy systems are right there waiting to be worked with and have a, a tremendous effect on the whole physical body as well as the emotional and spiritual body, which again, you know, if you've had pins put on you on the table, there's a physical thing happening, but also there's emotional things happening. There's uh, spiritual things happening. And so it's really, that is the whole energy is the whole. And then we just have to break it apart so we can kind of understand little pieces of it. Yeah, that's a great description. So would you explain a little bit more about what you mean by the term energy medicine yoga? So yoga actually is an energetic practice. Yoga means the the translation of the word, word means to yoke or to bring together. And so it's often used bringing together body, mind and spirit. And so we, if you've studied yoga, you've heard that a million times and we all kind of, we know what the physical body is. We know what the mental body, the mind is. We think, we negotiate, we have our emotions and we know what the spirit is, right? Our connection to a force that's larger than us. So we're pretty well steeped in that, but we're not steeped in the understanding that energy is the substrate from all of those things. And so, and I wasn't understanding that either. And I studied traditional yoga, classical yoga for years and learned about all of these esoteric energy practices or energy ideas, but it was nothing I could really grasp onto. I mean, you know, you heard prana, life force energy. Okay. That makes sense. And in a kind of large way, that makes sense. I guess, maybe, I guess I kind of... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go with you on that one, right? And then if you study yoga deeper and deeper, you do learn things. Uh, you learn the koshas, right? The energy layers of the body. Right. But again, I ask every single teacher that comes through my training, have you ever taught a, a class based on the koshas anchored into asana? And everyone's like, I don't even really fully understand the koshas, let alone how to teach a class based on the koshas. No, that's just esoteric information that I could kind of feel cool about knowing. And I felt the same way. I was like, okay. But once I started to learn the energy of the body and specifically with Donna Eden and then other teachers that also understand these ancient practices, 
there are nine energy systems in the body. And so if you study yoga, you know the chakras and you know the aura. And if you study Chinese medicine, you know meridians and you might know radiant circuits or extraordinary vessels. You might know uh, five element theory, which is a huge subset of Chinese medicine. But all of these are sort of isolated things. The beautiful thing is we have all of them in our bodies. We have nine energy systems, every person on the planet. If you're from India, you have meridians. If you're from China, you have an aura. If you're from the United States, you have an aura and meridians. You have them all. We all have these energy systems. We are all the same in that way as human beings. And so the medicine of that is on so many levels. It's not just the ability to heal, but it's the, the, the idea of that, of what is your medicine? Who are you specifically and individually and what are your needs on, again, all of those levels, body, mind, spirit. So the medicine of the energy, yoking that together with these beautiful practices that have been with us for 5,000 years, that's what energy medicine yoga is. Mm -hmm. oh, again, great description. <clears throat> Traditional Chinese medicine yoga and Ayurveda all view the balanced flow of energy in our bodies as important for our health, yet there are often blocks that prevent energy from flowing smoothly. In your experience, what kinds of things cause these type of blocks uh, or for energy to be unbalanced in the body? Mm. Life. Like, <laughs> your experiences, uh, the challenging ones, the difficult ones, the traumatic ones, stress causes energy to be blocked. Trauma is a huge one that causes energy to get stuck. And then all of the toxins that we take into our bodies, you know, if you're living in an area where there's uh, polluted water, polluted air, those cause breakdowns in the biology of the body. Uh, alcohol drugs, whether uh, prescribed to you or recreational, um, can, I'm not saying do, because again, everybody is different in their, uh, in, in the physiology of how they digest these. But oftentimes, I mean, you know, if you take any prescription drug, you hear or you read the list of contraindications. Those contraindications are blocks in the body. It causes seizures, seizures, death, depression, like whatever, all that whole list is those are blocks of energy flow in the body. Mm. And the same thing with recreational drugs, sugar, sugar is a big one. Toxins of all sorts cause blocks in the body. And then of course, any kind of physical uh, traumas or um, interactions with the body, if you have any kind of uh, blunt force trauma, or like a paper cut, right? You all know, right? You have a paper cut and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I needed that one little area of my, I can't type, I can't, right? Want something that small, but yeah. that interrupts a flow of energy in the body. You are electric. You are an electric being. And so anytime there is a little tear in the flow of electrons moving through the body, it causes a diversion of energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if energy is not moving in the pathways that is most beneficial for it, it has to do more work. If you're driving to work and there's a, um, a detour because there's construction, well, you've got to take, you know, 10 more minutes to get to work. That causes a disruption in your day. It slows everything down. And then it also might cause 
emotional response now oh you've got all these thoughts about i'm going to be in trouble because i'm late for work or all of those things right so that happens in the physical body anytime there's a detour from the most beneficial flow of energy from the body that causes a constriction and if that detour isn't resolved in some um I want to say valuable amount of time, uh, then it can, then it becomes sort of a groove and a pattern that replicates itself again and again and again, and becomes your default instead of the smooth, easeful way. So now your default is every morning I get up and have a cup of coffee. That's not how you were built to be. You're built to get up and your cortisol floods you in the morning. So you have a lot of energy and you go forward in your day. But if all of that's diverted, then you wake up and you have a cup of coffee. Now your cortisol is up, right? So everything affects everything. Right. I know from uh, just my own experience in my body that there are certain places that I hold tension, that I hold muscular tension, like, you know, my right shoulder in particular, my jaw. I mean, I just know like every time I'm in a yoga class or if I do any kind of relaxation, those are the places I know to check because those are places that I know I hold tension. So I'm assuming that those underlying tension patterns also interrupt the flow of energy. Is that right? A hundred percent. Absolutely. They interrupt the flow of energy and underneath those you could discover what brought those patterns into being so it might have might have been an injury that hasn't fully resolved it might be an emotional experience that hasn't fully resolved it might have been a traumatic injury that hasn't fully resolved maybe it actually did resolve itself fully on the physical level, but there may be some emotions attached with that, which is really how trauma imprints over years and decades past the event, is that it's an emotional trauma that is stuck somewhere in the physical body, because again, we're learning more and more that trauma lives in the body. It doesn't live in some amorphous place in our mind or in some, you know, it lives in the body. So that shoulder injury or that jaw injury could be a residual emotional response from whatever caused that primary tension to present in the first place. Right. So absolutely. And then that energy that stuck, we have this saying in energy medicine yoga that pain in the body is stuck energy. Mm-hmm. So ideally, and I'm saying this ideally, so don't everyone freak out because uh, this is ideally, you should have no pain in your body ever at any time. If you do have pain, it's giving you information. You, If you act on that information and follow a particular pathway to resolve that pain, then you can resolve that pain. That's, the, that's what the information is giving you to resolve the pain. It's not just giving you that information to be like, oh, right, here's my shoulder. It always hurts. Well, that's just me with a bad shoulder. Oh, well, that's one path you could take or you could investigate. So this is the bad shoulder. Why did that happen? When did that happen? What's involved in it? Is it muscular? Is it the bone? Is it tendons of ligaments? Is it nerve? You know, so then you can find out what emotions might be trapped there and that you could get to the root of it and, and start to resolve it and free yourself of that pain. That's ultimately what we want to be free of all of our pains and struggles and suffering so that we can be joyful and peaceful and bring our light out into the world. So one of the things that you just mentioned when you were talking about the shoulder is you talked about um, emotions, what emotions might be blocked there. So what is the relationship then between emotions and energy? 
emotions are energy in motion. Emotions are how we, it's our kind of interface with the world. It's how we gather information from the world and how we put information back out into the world. Every decision that you've made in your life is an emotional decision. If you're watching this uh, podcast right now, it's an emotional decision. You follow Laurel, what she presents makes you feel good. You want to feel good. So you click on this to watch this. You go to a movie. If you go to a horror movie, you want to feel scared. It's an emotional thing. Your choices in life, what ice cream flavor you like, it's emotional. What job you choose, if you have the luxury of choosing what career path, you choose it based on what lights you up, what makes you happy. The way you choose your partner, are you getting a dog or a cat? It's all emotional. Mm. And that's how we interpret the world. We like this. We don't like that. We like this. We don't like that. Like it's a, it's a constant um, dance of what we want to draw into ourselves and what we want to repel away from ourselves. It's that yin yang uh, nature of how we are in the world. Right. And so our emotions really dictate how we operate in the world, but they also can be our stumbling blocks because we don't have this emotional intelligence to understand, okay, this is just information. This isn't everything. So we have an experience with somebody, perhaps it's a challenging, difficult experience in which you were left feeling maybe angry or sad, or even in, in grief, if something really traumatic happened. And instead of taking that as information to guide you what you need to do next in the circumstances around that, we just take that emotion in and we flood ourselves with that emotion and we get stuck in that emotion mm. and we grieve or we're angry. For me, I'm anger is my root out of balance emotion. So everything that happens, I'm just angry about it. There's a red light when I needed to go. I'm angry. And that anger actually has a physiological effect on me. Now I can take the anger that comes in and use it as information of what I need to stand up for what I need to go to bat for, what I need to try to change in my world, then I'm taking that anger, using the energy of it for something very positive to actually transform something that was wrong. But if I don't do that, that anger just seethes in me and it causes all kinds of physiological junk that I do not want in the system, which will then make me angrier. Now I've got gut problems. Now I've got like all of these other things, right? Okay. So emotions can be a slippery slope because we don't, we're not taught how to work with them in a really positive, empowering way. So mm. oftentimes we become I don't like the word victim, but we can become victimized by our own emotions and just drag through life feeling the feels of everything is so hard or sad or angry or whatever, instead of, okay, that made me sad. Well, then what, what does that mean? And what can mm -hmm. I do next to move through that? We just stay sad. Mm -hmm. Just in this conversation so far, we've mentioned that there is a traditional Chinese medicine way of viewing, you know, the energy moving through the body. And then there's the yoga, you know, posits the, this, you know, prana and nadis instead of the, you know, the chi and the meridians. <clears throat> also, obviously they're, they're not identical, but they're related. Um, 
in your book, you really focus on the traditional Chinese medicine, you know, view, including the five elements. I'm assuming that you did that because that part of um, traditional Chinese medicine <clears throat> is so much more well built out than, um, you know, in other words, I don't think you could really have done what you did in the book just using prana and and nadis. Is that right? Well, so, it, but many people ask me that. Why are you using ancient Chinese medicine theory? This is yoga. Why aren't you using Ayurveda as your guiding blueprint for this? And we're going to go back to the emotions. So the beautiful thing about Chinese medicine theory and this subset of Chinese medicine, which is the five element theory, is that it includes a really vibrant blueprint for working with your emotions. And there's very little in the yoga literature and tradition that leans into your emotions. Mm -hmm. And so given that blueprint, it's become my go-to because everything is based in emotionality and everything is based in these five elements. And so it's a really beautiful way to be able to work with kind of anything that's going on with you through that lens of five elements and then overlay that with a traditional yoga practice. You know, there's a, a lot of really beautiful correspondences between the different uh, elemental pieces of Ayurveda and the different elemental pieces of Chinese medicine. They don't correspond a hundred percent, but those two systems of Ayurveda and yoga and Chinese medicine kind of grew up. I mean, the continents are, you know, snuggled up, right? And they they grew up and, and next to each other and they're kind of cousins and they really have a lot of crossovers and influenced each other. The studies of each influenced each other. But Chinese medicine uh, has more of a methodology that you can yeah. really adopt towards healing. Yes. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in an easier way for an individual practitioner than Ayurveda. I have found in my experience, I love Ayurveda, yeah. but pe to be able to kind of pinpoint, this is what's going on, what's causing it. The five element theory and uh, ancient Chinese medicine was much more um, geared towards that, right. that possibility. Yeah. And when I think about it, you know, the Ayurvedic treatments often are, um, you know, different lifestyle, you know, recommendations, food recommendations and um, other of those lifestyle practices. And they're not as specific. Um, you know, for example, you can see an acupuncturist and there's points that are associated, you know, with it. And even in your wake up routine, which you and I talked about the last time you were on the show, you are pulsing over you know, certain um, acupressure points on your body in a way that there isn't really, at least I'm not aware of something like that that's in Ayurveda. So it, I thought your system is a really cool way of bringing those together, bringing the, this, bringing forward this opportunity that we have in Chinese medicine that has all of this information and kind of marrying it with things like yoga poses and yoga breathing practices and all of that. So um, anyway, I, I was not meaning to be critical at all. I think you did a really lovely job. I just thought people might be curious. And as you've said, you've gotten a lot of questions about that. 
And I'm going to take a moment here and just remind our listeners that today on the Yoga Hour, our guest is the author of the book we're discussing today, The Energy to Heal, Find Lasting Freedom from Stress and Trauma Through Energy Medicine Yoga. And my guest name is Lauren Walker. You can find out more about Lauren and her programs at energymedicineyoga.net. We will also have that link on our webpage, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. So, Lauren, you stayed on page four, and I really, um, I really appreciated these these um, uh, little precepts that you set forth. You say you write as you're going through life with an intention to heal. It is good to remember the following: healing takes time. You must have the desire to heal. You must learn to be deeply nurturing with yourself. You must learn to be gentle and forgiving with yourself. And I just thought those were really great, um, you know, precepts to set forth for people. Did you want to say anything about that, about how healing takes time? People must have the desire. I mean, did, why did you feel it was important to set those out? You know, there's, I talk a lot in my teachings, how quickly energy can move and it can move instantaneously like we know that right the speed of light that's how fast energy can move and yet if we have a long-standing pattern of dis-ease in the body in other words of something that is not in coherence that may take more time to shift than simply getting your energies to cross over the body like you talked about the wake up right that's one of the most important things having energy move forward and crossing over the body we know that that's the root cause of every disease pattern in the body is that energy not moving forward and crossing over so great that's a super place to start but we also know things like if you have cancer that presents You've had that growing in your body potentially for 17 years before Western medicine can find it. Right. Now, I'm a huge fan of miracle stories and I love reading them. And yes, you can switch that. And I've read stories and I've seen and I've actually had experiences of miraculous healing that happens incredibly quickly. And I've also had experiences in my own life and, and in other clients and students of the time that it does take to heal. And so it's important to understand that so that you don't give up yeah. and that you really are anchored into that's the second precept, your desire to heal. Because oftentimes we do get some benefits from being sick. Mm. I've, uh, I had a back injury all winter and let me tell you, I didn't have to do the dishes, the laundry. I didn't have to chop wood. Well, I never have to chop wood, but I didn't even have to make the fires in the morning. Like I got out, I got a free pass. Cause I was like, I'm the lady with the bad back. I can't lift, I can't bend, I can't do those things. So I could then keep going there. Wow, look at all the benefits I get from being sick. I don't have to do all the chores. I don't have to do the work. I get to go lay down in the middle of the afternoon. Woohoo! Right? There's some benefits to that. Now, if I'm not desiring to heal, if I'm desiring, even on a subconscious level, because oftentimes that's what happens, it's unconsciously we're like, huh, the unconscious is like, this is great, dude. We do not have to do anything when we're sick. Let's just stay sick. That happens a lot. And a lot more than you would think, because, of course, you always think you want to be well. But 
oftentimes there is that, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that strange desire not to get well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that we, you note that if you're on a healing path that yes, I want to be well. And then you present tense that I am well, so that you're really going towards that trajectory and not just kind of in that, well, it's kind of nice being sick. Someone else does all the work, right? So mm -hmm. there's that piece of it. And then the gentle caring piece to yourself, I think need to get iterated several times because yeah. Most people, especially women and especially women in the healing field, if you're a yoga teacher or any kind of supporter, it just it, it sort of defaults to women that we are caretakers naturally of others. And so I've spoken to so many women who are like, it is so hard for me to take care of myself. And so especially if you are trying to resolve um, a disease pattern in the body, you must you must take care of yourself. You must put that love, affection, um, care to yourself. You mm -hmm. must put your oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great point. And something that I really often saw in my practice when I was a practicing physician is it's such a common thing with women is taking care of everybody else first and they're last on their own list. And then when something develops, they need to change that pattern if they're really going to heal. So I thought that was, I thought you, I really appreciated these things that you set out in the book. You then go on to offer what you call energy medicine, yoga, emergency room uh, at the very beginning of the book, um, which I thought was great because you say, you know, these are things that are going to help you like right now and, you know, go ahead and start using them even without reading the rest of the book. So you described uh, these tools that were very simple. And I thought it would be great to share a couple of them with the listeners. So um, you one of the tools that you talk about is the deep breathing tool and how that's helpful for stress and trauma. So would you just describe deep breathing tool and how that is helpful, can helpful uh, be helpful for us in times of stress? Yeah. You know, so this is one of the areas where actually Western medicine and Western science has done a lot of research is the connection between breath and body and breath and healing. And of course, in the yogic tradition, the breath is primary. And it's also one of the primary links between the conscious and unconscious. And so it's one of the systems in the body that you can consciously activate. And if you never think about it, you will breathe every day until you stop breathing and stop living. And so you don't even have to think about it. But the breath is part of everything that happens in the body. And it is a reflection of your physical health and your emotional health as well. And so because you can work with your breath, you can change your breath consciously, that means if you have the ability to work with your breath, you have the ability to work with the unconscious and the unacknowledged or unknown physical parts of the body that you don't may not have, like your blood pressure. Well, if I sit there, I'm like, okay, blood pressure, go down, right? It's like, oh yeah, that's not going to happen. Blood pressure, go up. I have low blood pressure. So I'd be like, blood pressure, go up. So I don't get dizzy when I stand up. It's like, yeah, whatever. My body hears nothing. It, nothing is going to change. But if I take five long, slow, deep breaths in the nose and slow, deep exhales out the mouth and you have a blood pressure cuff on me, 
you're going to see my blood pressure slowly start to go down. So it's very, very powerful ways to use the breath. And when we get stressed, one of the first things that happens when we go into fight or flight or freeze response is our blood pressure goes up and your pulse goes up and you start to have that fluttering. You might skip a beat. You start to sweat. Everything's, you know, every, your eyes dilate. All of these things happen that you have no conscious control over. But here's the link between the conscious and the unconscious is your breath. So you take a few slow, deep breaths. What happens? Your blood pressure comes down. Your heart rate comes down. You stop sweating. Your eyes undilate, right? So you start to come back into this calm, centered space. Really, one breath will immediately start to do it. So the more you have access to that, and again, this is something that's been studied a lot in Western medicine, and you'll hear it, you'll see ads, or you'll see little you know, memes or things, five slow breaths before you answer a difficult question or before you yell at somebody, because then you re-regulate your system. Mm -hmm. You come into present moment. You're not in your reactionary phase anymore. You're able to respond to the situation. Mm -hmm. that's, I thought you did a great um, job describing the relaxation response, which is the opposite of the stress response. And that is triggered by particularly, you know, extending the, um, the length of the exhale, which is something that happens as you take, you know, that deep in breath and the deep out breath, you know, the exhales tend to get longer and that it, it sets a whole physiologic, um, you know, uh, uh, like something roll, like a snowball rolling down the hill or something. It just picks up steam, which is so great. And it's simple and people often forget. So I thought it would be really good to have you remind them. One of the other things, one of the other practices that's in your energy medicine yoga emergency room is a process of hugging your body, hug your body. So would you describe that for listeners and how that's helpful for stress and trauma? So we talked about in uh, in Chinese medicine, there are these points on the body and in Ayurveda as well. You talked about the nadis. So the nadis system is vast and I, I, I won't get too into it, but it's basically channels of energy that flow through the body. And we talk about 14 main channels and then thousands, if not millions of subsidiary channels. Well, the main channels are the main orifices in the body, right? Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth. These are, you know, obvious ones. But there's a naughty system all over the surface of your body that directly connects to the heart. And it's every pore that you have in your skin. So you're getting information from the skin itself. We also know that the skin is connected to the microbiome, which definitely connects to your emotional well-being. So these holds have many things going on with them. Anytime you just hug and hold some part of your body, you are activating this naughty system. And if you do it with love or care or just, I'm afraid I need some support, then you're pouring that information that you're getting support right into the heart, which is that biggest electrical generator in the body. So then you start to generate the electricity of coherence and calm. As well, there are specific points that you may or may not know that you're holding on the body, which speak to these meridians, which are also complicit in this fight, flight, freeze response. So just the general one, when you just hug your body, you're going to have something in your arms over and just grabbing yourself wherever, right? 
That's right. Crossing your arms and holding, maybe you're holding another, your arms both in your hands, or maybe you're holding your waist. Maybe you're holding one arm and one waist. If you are holding any part of those, you are also activating the, um, the meridian systems, which are also complicit in that fight, flight, freeze response. And so all of these things are helping the body to calm down. Now, when I also talk about massaging, so you're not just hugging, but then you can massage as well, especially on the core of the body, anywhere that feels sore on the core of the body is a trigger point to another area, an organ or an organ system or a muscular system or an emotional system that is constricted and and holding energy that's stuck at that point when you are feeling stressed. And so if you're holding and you start to massage and you're like, ooh, that point's sore, massage it because you want the energy to flow through to release the stress that's held in some point of the body. It doesn't matter if you know what that point of the body is. If there's a sore spot on the core of your body, it is that information is telling you is that there's stuck energy at a corresponding organ complex or muscular complex or emotional complex somewhere in the body. That's great. And, and what I really loved about these is that they're so simple. And sometimes people maybe even have found these things out themselves, like the thing about the deep breathing or hugging yourself. The last one that I wanted to mention is the OMG or Oh My God points. Would you describe this and how people can use it um, when they are feeling stressed or when there's some kind of trauma? This is my number one go-to. I give this to every person anywhere that I meet or any podcast or anything that I'm on because it's so, so powerful and so simple that I tell people, you know, write yourself a sticky note because you will forget this because you think, oh, this is too easy to actually do anything. It is the number one tool for reprogramming your stress and trauma and for taking you out of stress and trauma in the moment. So just your for your hand over your forehead, like you're taking your temperature. And there are a set of points either side of the forehead off the midline that are called the frontal neurovascular reflex points. And it's a very long and fancy name for what's happening is the that when you go into stress, when you have a stressor in the body, the first thing that happens is that blood leaves the forebrain. It leaves the frontal cortex, which is where you think creatively and intelligently with wisdom and reflection. The blood leaves there and it goes to your arms and it goes to your legs so you can fight or you can run. And so, but you can't think anymore because a tiger is chasing you. You're not thinking, huh, that's a pretty coat of the tiger. Or I wonder if that's a male tiger or a female tiger. You're not thinking that. You are running as fast as you can. So that's all you need blood for. But when someone cuts you off in traffic or when your computer crashes or when you get a phone call with some super challenging information, you're not going to fight. You're not going to run. Mm -hmm. You have to think. You have to be present. You have to be grounded. You have to be centered. Hand over the forehead keeps the blood in the forebrain so that you can think creatively and act intelligently. And it also helps to interrupt the limbic loop, which is where we get stuck in our emotional response to something, which is the hallmark of PTSD. We keep having the same flood of physiology with our emotions every time the same thing, we get a trigger 
we get flooded with the same chemicals that flooded us when we got hurt or traumatized the first time. And so those flooding of chemicals that happens all the time, your your brain can't differentiate between the original time it happened and when you're just thinking of, if you just think of, and you haven't resolved an event in your life and you just think about it, you get flooded with chemicals. You know that if you think about a lemon, you can get that little gleek inside your mouth, right? Your body remembers that lemonness. Well, your body also remembers that pain and that struggle and that challenge. Holding these points here, again, it interrupts that limbic loop and it brings the blood back to the forebrain so that that situation starts to lose its charge, starts to lose that chemical flood through your body and becomes just another data line in the story of your life. It stops being this thing that throws you off your path over and over again. Mm-hmm. So again, just for listeners, we've gone over three things from the energy medicine emergency room that you can use. So five slow, deep breaths, you can give yourself a big hug, and you can put your uh, palm onto your forehead, the oh my God pose of that's like from a cartoon, right? <laughs> someone who's surprised or whatever, and that those all of those things will help balance your energy in a time of stress or trauma. So I did want to touch on this 5E star, which you which is a big focus in the book. Um, it's based in the Chinese uh, five elements, and we don't have time to do a deep dive into the 5E star, um, but I thought you might want to give just a brief overview. And then I did want to talk about um, about the relationship with uh, emotions that we've, that's kind of, it's been threaded through our conversation so far, but that how, um, you know, per- perhaps we can talk in a little bit more depth about one of the, of the elements. And we were thinking about water and the, and the um, emotion that's associated with water. So did you want to give a little brief overview of the 5E star? Yeah. So this goes back to why I chose this, uh, this paradigm to, uh, to focus this book on because five element theory encompasses everything in the universe, which can seem overwhelming until you recognize that, well, everything is only one of five things. You actually just simplified the universe into the palm of your hand. Every single thing that happens in the universe, every process, every physical manifestation, and the thing that I love the most is all of your emotions fall into one of these five categories. And so if you're trying to Uh, resolve something, again, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional in your life, you can find which area, which one of these five it is, and then just focus on that. It simplifies it so much instead of having it just be this global, all-encompassing thing that's wrong with me. Well, here it is. It's actually a water element issue or a wood or a fire or an earth or a metal. And each one of them has an overarching emotional component that's either in balance or out of balance. And so you can look through to discover, is your issue uh, emotional or is it physical? Let's just start with there for a moment. So you can go through and figure out what element your physical issue might be in. And you talked about your shoulder before. So let me just ask you, is it muscular in the shoulder? Is it the bone? It's muscular. It's muscular. Okay. So muscles, tendons, and ligaments are in the wood element. So right there, you know that it's a wood element issue. And so 
you can start to look at then the emotionality. Now, a lot of times you go through it the other way of what is the emotion that I'm still so struggling with in, in what I'm going to try to resolve. And so let me, let me put a pin in that for a moment and talk about the star as a whole. Any issue that you have in your life and any issue that you go through every day, you're going to go cycle through all of the emotions of the star because we have a little bit of everything in everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything, right? So you have an issue and you want to resolve it. And one of those points of the star is more out of balance or two of those points are more out of balance. And those are the ones that you're going to focus on. And when you can resolve those, what I call lighting up the point of that star, that you get the electricity and the energy moving through again, and your issue becomes resolved. So the process in this book is you draw a star, you write your issue in the center, and then you go around to each point and you figure out what it is that you need to work on through a very simple process. And then you figure which one is, and then you do the practices in that chapter that corresponds to that star one or two or three, if it's a really big issue, sometimes if you have a big trauma, you might blow out every star point and you might need to do each of those. As you resolve those points of the star, your issue is resolved and becomes again, just like that byline. It's just something that happened, but it's no longer causing you the challenges and difficulties that it was before. Mm -hmm. And so it's really an elegant process that you can use for anything that comes up in your life old things where you haven't resolved. You're like, you still think about that conversation 10 years ago, right? Do you have that? Right? We all have those things. Like I can't let it go. I just can't let it go. You can't let it go because you haven't figured out the P the point on the star that needs to be lit back up again. You mm-hmm. haven't figured out. And it's oftentimes the emotionality. So back to your shoulder, muscles, tendons, ligaments, but the emotion behind the wood element that governs those is anger. Mm-hmm. And so to the the turn of that, to, to transform that anger into assertive action, that's the process to be able to then release that emotion. And so you'll do practices in the wood chapter, you'll do the journaling, you'll do all of these things to resolve, to either give yourself another piece of information, or it will simply resolve, and then you will be free of that issue. So that's the trajectory of working with this star. So to go into it in a little bit more depth, just to give listeners a little bit more of a feel for it, I have a quote from the water uh, chapter. You write, all life starts in water. All healing starts in water. It is the universal solvent. It is slow, methodical, powerful, and all-knowing. We are made of it, we come from it, and we encapsulate it. When we are balanced in water, we have access to the deep source of our own intuition. Now, it's just really a lovely, a lovely way of describing it. So um, would you share how the element of water affects our lives uh, emotionally and physically? So water is where we start on the wheel. In some five element theories, they start in other elements, but in uh, energy medicine yoga, we start in water. And the challenging emotion of water is fear. So all babies are born with two fears, innate to babies. That is the fear of loud noises 
Mm. and the fear of falling. Mm. Every other fear that you have is a learned response. Mm. You're afraid of spiders. You learn that somehow in your life. If you're afraid of dogs, you learn that in your life. You're only afraid of falling, which makes sense. That's a, uh, a, a pre preservation, self-preservation, right? And loud noises, which also makes sense when you realize that hearing is the first um, sense that develops in utero. The, the fetus regulates to the heartbeat of the mother and recognizes the mother's voice in the womb. And that's the first voice that... So the hearing, we want to be able to, who's the person that's caretaking me? And then that loud, those loud noises is maybe that's a danger, right? Because that's not my caretaking sound. So the physiology of the water element is all of the fluids in the body. That makes sense. Water right. being the fluids, except your blood, which is a different element and your bones and your teeth mm. because those are also fluid substances uh, made of collagen layers that uh, are electromagnetic in the body and uh, piezoelectric. They transfer energy through the body when you compress them. And those are all part of the water element as well. So if you have any issues with, there's other things physio physiologically that are in the water element, but those are the umbrella ones. Obviously the water works of the body, your bladder, your kidney, those are the organs of water. And so regulating your the water element is giving yourself the ability to know what fear is and know how to transform that into courage, which is not the lack of fear. It is not the lack of fear. Courage is taking action in the face of fear. And so to be able to understand that in your own life, where are your fears and how can you still take action, courageous action in the face of your fears? So balancing in water balances your fears and the emotionality around who you are in the world and how you can be grounded and encapsulated as yourself while connected to everything else. So we we talk about that, the boundary of you. We know that there is no ultimate boundary that we really are all connected. And yet I still have me as primary. And so may, having that understanding, that's the growth of the water element. Now, before we started, uh, you were mentioning that there are certain um, uh, holds that you can do on your head that, um, that balance, that help to balance. And I think we're, getting close to the end of the show. So I don't think we have time for all five, but would you do the, would you describe the hold that you can do for balancing the water element? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, back to then these different points on the body, these are points on the head that speak directly to the elemental, we call them complexes in the body. So water, wood, fire, earth, metal, and help to transmute that emotionality. So in water, it transmutes from fear into courage. And the beautiful thing about these holds is you can be lying down in bed in an energy medicine yoga practice. We often do them in Shavasana or just prior to Shavasana 
to allow the body to sort of sink in and really take these in. So they all have the cover of the, oh my God points, these frontal neurovascular points, because that's really the anchor points for educating and re-educating the body. And so the other holds happen on the head in water. It's at the very low curve of the head. So one hand over the forehead and the other hand at the back of the head, right above the neck at that low curve on the back of the head. And that's a point that helps to transmute that water element. And in the book, each of these holds is written about in their chapter and sort of at the end of the chapter, because I really like to do that hold in Shavasana. You've done the practice. We know that Shavasana and any kind of resting or sleeping pose is where transformation happens. So we hold these points as we're going into Shavasana to give that information into the system to then do that transmutation of the energy inside the body. And I was thinking about this yesterday because if this is the first you've heard of this, you're thinking, really, I'm going to hug myself and calm down. I'm going to hold this. It's going to make me less afraid. Come on. How does this work? Now, if you really want to know how it works, I teach classes and courses and trainings to teach you all that. But what really I started to think of is if you have Wi-Fi in your house and you hit to download a show you want to watch Mrs. You know, Mar Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or, you know, whatever. You want to watch some show. You want to watch, and uh, you know, Ted Lasso. And you're going to download it. How does that happen? There's nothing connected to your computer. Right. You just hit a button. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing a show on TV. <laughs> it's just what comes from the air as in magic? Well, that is the root of how all of these energetic practices work. It is waves of information. Mm. It is waves of information in the field that you harvest through whatever it is that you are pulling down from the ether. It's how your phone works. It's how your computer works. And guess what? It's how you work. And yeah. so you hold these points and you are downloading this information from the ether through the electromagnetism of your body into your cellular structure and up-leveling the intelligence of your cellular structure and then going out into the world as a brighter, happier, more grounded you. Yay! <laughs> so we've come to the end of the show. <clears throat> what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners? You know, I really like to share, and if you read the book, you're going to hear this because it's at the very last page of the book too, and I share it all the time. This work is easy. It is powerful and it is transformational. So if any part of what we've been talking about today even made one brain cell stand up and say, hey, that's curious, that's interesting, I invite you to dive in. You will have the most powerful transformational experiences with the least amount of input and you will be wowed this is your birthright we were not taught as kids how to work with our emotions how to work with our physicality how to work with our traumas and stressors and relationships we were not taught that in school and so we never got the guidebook it's your birthright to be whole to be healthy to be happy to be joyful to be engaged and connected. And it's not 
that difficult to find the tools to help you get there. So please dive in, take a chance, take a risk and see if this work can serve you on whatever journey you are on right now. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. Um, The book is uh, really a um, huge stockpile of great information for people in each chapter. As you mentioned, there are all these practices, including yoga poses, there's breathing practices, there's journaling. I feel like we just barely touched the surface. So um, thank you so much. Uh, For listeners, you've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. And my guest today has been author and yoga teacher, Lauren Walker. Her website is energymedicineyoga.net, where you can find out more about her. This link will also be on our webpage at theyogahour.com. Thank you so much, Lauren Walker, for joining me today on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I love speaking with you, Laurel. For listeners, again, we hope you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the sponsor of this program, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. There is daily meditation in the morning at 6.30 a.m. These times are all Pacific times, the afternoon at 4 p.m. and on Monday evenings at 7.30. There's also a Sunday satsang. Satsang is a a Sanskrit word that means a gathering of truth seekers. That happens at 10 a.m. Pacific on Sunday each week. Uh, Other um, program that I wanted to make you aware of. There's a Kriya Yoga Meditation Retreat with Yogacharya O'Brien that's coming up in June, June 22nd to 25th. It's in person and is open to everyone. There's another podcast that might be of interest to listeners of this program, which is the Kriya Yoga Today podcast with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or at the CSE website, csecenter.org, where you can find lots more information about these and other programs at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, you can subscribe to the show. So if you're enjoying it, think about subscribing or and or share it with a friend. Thanks to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers, Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, and Christine Sote. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.